Today's gospel is the beginning of Jesus' public ministry in Mark's account. Uh, Mark gets very quick and to the point. After the baptism of Jesus and after he calls the disciples, he goes out and begins preaching. And the very first sermon you could say that he gives, his very first exhortation, is quite simple. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. If you think about it, this is the first time that the eternal word preaches and speaks to the world. And what does he say? Very simple. Repent and believe in the gospel. God says these words to his apostles, his bystanders, and to us 2,000 years later. Because he knows that we are lost. We are broken. We're abandoned, much like sheep without a shepherd, as the gospel would later describe. Jesus knows that we experience discontent in our lives. We experience anguish and distress. We experience brokenness, disorder, and hurt. And of course, this is all brought upon us because of sin. Human sinfulness in general, but also our own personal sins. This is how sin leaves us. It's what it does to us. And so Jesus' first act in public ministry in Mark's gospel is to try to get us to repent. Sin brings about many things, but primarily within our own lives, it brings about disorder. That can be a difficult word to hear. It's got connotations to it for sure. What we mean by that is that our lives fail to be oriented toward their true purpose and their highest meaning. Sin disintegrates our lives. It fragments us. It brings about chaos and throws our lives entirely out of whack. They no longer become rightly ordered toward their final end and their final goal. And if we look in the mirror, we'd have to be honest that this is reality for all of us. Some of us might say, well, Father, I don't, I don't have any you know, disordered affections or passions in my life. I mean, I'm not perfect, but I also haven't killed anybody. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm for the most part pretty good. And I, I would call baloney on that. You know, now that you haven't killed anyone, I believe you on that. But I would call baloney on that, you know, life is kind of fine. Because if we really actually look down deep inside of ourselves, every one of us has things in life that we struggle with, that leave us broken, that leave us quite despairing at times. If we didn't, have some type of disordered desire that leaves us broken and weak, and the consequence of that is we wouldn't need a savior. And I'd be more worried about that than anything else. We would have self-righteous pride. And again, that's not a good thing to have. And so if we don't have any real struggles, if everything is just, yeah, we're all sort of fine, then what happens? God doesn't become a savior. He just becomes a nice figurine on a shelf. He becomes more of an emotional support animal rather than a savior and redeemer. And this is how so many people live nowadays. We live in brokenness, we're aware of it, but we're unaware of where it comes from or how we might go about fixing it. And we certainly, many people nowadays, don't see ourselves as a source of that brokenness. Not the source, for sure, but a source. Or as someone contributing to the brokenness that we experience in our world and in our lives. We see that the world is broken, but we fail to acknowledge that we are one of the causes to it. 
And so when we hear these words, repent and believe in the gospel, our response can be resistance to that calling. Or even feeling angry that someone somehow wants me to change how I am going about living my life. If I were to go up to someone at Deerberg's, find a random person in the aisle and point at them and look them dead in the eye and say, repent and believe in the gospel. Well, if I was on the East Coast, best case scenario is I'd get a one-finger salute or maybe getting the police call. The Midwest, hopefully, would be a little bit nicer, but it probably wouldn't be a great reaction. If I went up to someone and said, repent and believe in the gospel, there would probably be some anger directed back at me if I told someone that. But brothers and sisters, these words from Jesus, repent and believe, are truly some of the best words that you and I could ever hear. Because all of us need to hear this great message. I, might have, I, I certainly have areas of repentance that I need in my own life, and I know that you might have them too. They might be entirely different from mine, but either way, we all need areas of repentance. We have areas where we need to repent and turn away from sin and go back to the Lord. The British writer G.K. Chesterton said it quite well. All of us are in the same boat, and all of us are seasick. And every single person who has ever existed needs the salvation given to us by Christ. Even, even our Blessed Mother Mary. And we know she didn't need to repent of sinfulness. If I were to say that, I'd be a heretic. But Mary needed the work of Jesus in order to have an immaculate heart in the first place. Right? Yes, Mary was never a sinner, but even the fact that she had an immaculate heart, that she was free from sin, she owes that to the death and resurrection of Jesus. That is a gift from Jesus to Mary, working preemptively to save her in the very first moments of her conception to allow her to be a great vessel. And again, hearing this call to repentance is the good news. It is the essence of the good news, brothers and sisters. It's an invitation from God to share in his very life, to share in the life of the saints in heaven. It's as if God is telling us there is a better way for you to live and I want you to experience it. Because it's only when we recognize our need for repentance, how broken we are, how beset with weakness we are, that we can actually begin to make room in our hearts for God. The only way for God to enter into our lives, brothers and sisters, is as a savior and as a redeemer. But that only happens if we make room for him. How did that Christmas carol go a little over a month ago? Let every heart prepare him room. Repentance from sin opens up the door of our hearts to a savior. And make no mistake about it, we are the only ones who can open it. God doesn't enter into our lives against our will. He doesn't barge in unannounced. He always respects our freedom. So we have to let him in. It's, we are the only ones who can do that. But when we do, we can truly be loved fully and completely. Because we are made for relationship, brothers and sisters. And our God wants to be in relationship and in love with us if only we let him. If only we remove from our lives that which is earthly, worldly, and profane so that God can enter in and transform us and make us new. So if someone knocked on your door, looked you dead in the eye, and pointed at you and said, repent and believe in the gospel, how would you react? Would you shut the door? Would you roll your eyes? Would you say, yeah, right, and walk away? 
or with gratitude, accept the invitation from Jesus to the repentance that will set you free and make you whole. Brothers and sisters, let us always delight in this call to repentance and rejoice that this is what Jesus wants us to hear. And may we heed his call to personal repentance and accept it as the good news and bring our brokenness to God and allow him to save us and redeem us.